You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hi, everybody. Welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Matthew Leach, talking New York Yankees with MLB.com's Yankees beat reporter, Brian Hope. Brian, the uh, Yankees, for a second consecutive year, drafted a guy um, who the perception is could be a quick mover and maybe even a very quick mover. Uh, is that your understanding of James Caprillion, that he could be a guy – uh, one of maybe one of the first guys from this draft class to see the major leagues. Yeah, they like him a lot. Uh, you know, as with Jacob Lindgren last year, who was their number one pick or their first overall pick, uh, they think he can move very quickly. Uh, Lindgren was a little bit different situation. He was a college reliever, and and that tends to accelerate the process. I think he had something like 45 innings in the minor leagues, and then he already made it to Yankee Stadium. Uh, Caprillion is probably not going to move that quickly, but they see him as a solid number three type starter uh, going forward. So uh, a year or two from now, it would not be a big surprise to see James Caprillion as part of the Yankees rotation, competing to be part of that rotation. Uh, the Yankees believe they're going to work out an agreement with him. Uh, he's represented by Scott Forrest. So, you know, it could take a little while, but they think by the end of the summer, they should have him in uniform and he can get started uh, moving toward the big leagues. Yeah, it's sort of an interesting idea because on the one hand, he seems to be that sort of there's a certain type of kind of college pitcher who come out relatively ready-made and maybe slot into the middle or back of somebody's rotation right away. Um, but at the same time, this is a club that might could use a reliever in the short term. Is there any challenge to sort of managing that those seemingly somewhat disparate pairs of expectations? It's always something you could do. For example, you could move him to the bullpen, and he would probably get to the big leagues quicker. And if you had a need for that, uh, you could do it. But they have some other candidates at the high AAA level, Luis Severino, Brian Mitchell. Those guys also fit into that, and they've got a little more polish on them. Uh, one of the comparisons that was thrown around about Caprillion was Ian Kennedy, and I, I brought that up to Damon Oppenheimer, who is the director of amateur scouting for the Yankees. He said, not really. He said that comparison gets thrown around a lot because – uh, they're both from Southern California, both, you know, similar kind of pitchers, but not really. Um, but, you know, suffice it to say, if people are looking at him and seeing Ian Kennedy, the Yankees would take that absolutely because that's a major league pitcher. That's a guy who could fit in your rotation. And obviously they had Ian Kennedy at one point, um, and he's still kicking around the big leagues. But, you know, the Yankees probably hope that Caprillion's a little better than Ian Kennedy, and I, I think that, that's certainly in play. Their, their second pick I thought was a, a really interesting pick, a, a, a profile that maybe you don't necessarily often take quite that high. Uh, Kyle Holder, big league glove and questionable stick. Um, do they think he's going to hit? I mean, do they think that, that he will hit enough to be the kind of player that, that you're glad you took at, at that point in the draft? They do. Uh, I was talking to Oppenheimer last night after the draft, and he was kind of unwinding a little bit, and I mentioned how people on social media weren't thrilled with the holder pick, and he said that did not sync up at all with what the Yankees had heard. Matter of fact, Oppenheimer said of all the picks that the Yankees made in the draft, the one he got the most comments from scouts, cross-checkers, people in the game, people with other clubs, said that Holder was a great pick at 30. So we'll see what happens, but uh, the one comparison he did mention, uh, he said people in the Yankee organization have referred to Omar Vizquel when evaluating Holder's defense. That's pretty good. Uh, you take that, and and he did hit, uh, I believe, over 340 in a in a pretty competitive league uh, this past year. So the skills may be there. I think uh, you know they've been burned before on guys like Cito Culver, who was a number one pick and and didn't really pan out and uh, didn't get there. But 
The Yankees uh, in the post-Derek Jeter era, they're, they're clearly doubling down. They're trying to find somebody who can be the franchise shortstop for years to come. And if, if he winds up being a defense-first guy like a Brennan Ryan or something at the big league level, you, you probably take that. Uh, those guys have value as well, and they can hang around the big leagues for quite a while. One thing you noted in, in your coverage of the Yankee draft, uh, I believe the exact phrase you used was predictability over upside. Did that just happen, or was that to some extent a, a, a strategic thing? Yeah, I, I, you know how you talk to these evaluators every year, and what they say is we're going to take the best available player on the board regardless of need. But I, I think that Caprillion is a fairly safe pick. Look, they could have gone after Brady Aiken, who is a guy who has had injury problems. Obviously, the Astros had him once upon a time and, and didn't work out. Um, they could have gone that route, but you're going for something that's a little more of a safe bet. This is the, the highest Yankees pick that they've had since 1993. They they burned that one on Matt Drew, as a guy who never got to the big leagues. But uh, there was some pressure on the organization to, to get a guy in the early rounds here who, who can get to Yankee Stadium in the very near future. And they feel like they've got that. I, I think that um, saying predictability over upside, yeah, maybe you're not getting a surefire Hall of Famer, although who knows, you know, you, these things can, uh, can always work out differently. But uh, what, what the Yankees feel like they got is they got some bona fide major league talent of the future in, in this draft, and they seem to feel pretty confident in it. I, you hear similar things every year, but uh, they're saying them again this year. So uh, until uh, these players get in the system and start proving themselves otherwise, you, you have to kind of go with that. To shift gears to the big league club, um, Andrew Miller goes on the disabled list. Um, forearm is one of those scary words. We're to- they're, they're saying it's a muscle. Uh, there certainly can be routine forearm injuries. What is the worry level over Miller right now? I think it's, it's measured, but uh, it, this is certainly something that you didn't want to have to deal with. I mean, Miller's been dominant lights out, and I think it calls into question now the usage, were these guys overused? Has, has Dellen been overused? I think that uh, Batances' numbers are indicating that he's due for a rest here as well. Uh, they're going to have to be careful, but I understand the temptation. Batances and Miller have been so lights-out dominant that uh, you, you kind of have that breaking case of emergency button to push, uh, and, and not, they haven't been shy about it. Uh, for what I'm hearing right now, it's looking like three weeks for Miller. Uh, so it'll be a little more than the 15 days, but they don't think it'll be too much more than that. But you're right. Anytime you start hearing about forearm strains and this kind of stuff, uh, you, you take a step back and you say, uh-oh, uh, you better let that cool off. And that's what the Yankees are doing. They're, they're going to have him rest, and he won't pick up the ball for 10 days, and then, and then they'll try it again from there. Patances presumably, obviously, slides into the ninth. Uh, is there any shuffling that happens, uh, either in terms of roles or roster, uh, in front of the in front of that part of the bullpen. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is uh, Girardi has been saying all along he didn't expect them to go with five left-handers, and and you're seeing the uh, the changes there. Obviously, you delete Miller, and they're going to call Chris Martin back from AAA. And Martin made the opening day roster. He looked pretty good in spring training. Ran into some trouble, um, but he'll he'll be back in the mix there. And I think uh, spots are probably up for grabs. I think that Jacob Lindgren got a chance here. He gave up the two-run homer in the game the other day. Um, you're going to still see him, I believe. Um, they're, they're trying to figure this out on the fly, but clearly it, it's been depleted from what they went into opening day with. You also thought you were going to have David Carpenter in that mix, too, and, and that didn't work out at all. So I, I think the Yankees are adjusting to some things that were unexpected. Uh, certainly they didn't expect Carpenter to struggle as much as he did. They didn't expect Miller to go on the DL. Uh, so 
they're going to try and figure it out. But the good thing is they still have Betances there, and you can call on him for more than three outs if you have to. Brennan Ryan steps in, and, and you know I'm, I'm going to have to ask about Brennan Ryan because I'm a Brennan Ryan fan. Uh, gets activated and shows a little bit with the stick. Now, look, I know there are no illusions about what Brennan Ryan can do offensively, um, but at this point there may not be many illusions about what Stephen Drew can do offensively either. Is there an opportunity for Ryan to play himself and do something more than just defensive caddy? I don't see it, and here's why. Every time you're, you're ready to cash in on uh, Stephen Drew and say, all right, it's just not going to happen, he'll go out and have a two-homer game, and I think that buys him a little extra time. So uh, I, I think they're going to stick with Drew at second base. I think Ryan could get some at-bats here, but I think uh, he's pretty well set into what the Yankees know he is. You know, the, the greatest thing about Brendan Ryan is uh, he, he finally escaped Florida. He'd been down there since March, and he shows up the other day, with a full mustache, and, and it was almost like, hey, guys, this is still a thing, right? Like, we, we're, we're still doing this? And it's like, no, no. And Jacoby Ellsbury walked by and said, does this guy even watch the games? Uh, Brennan Ryan is his own character, man. Uh, he's fun to have around. I think uh, the Yankee clubhouse would be a little lighter, but as far as contributions with the bat, I wouldn't go expecting a whole lot out of him. Uh, you take what you can get. Contributions are welcome, but I, I think he's very clearly in that backup role, and uh, he can excel at that. One more uh, move the Yankees just made. Mason Williams get, gets called up. He was, not that long ago, a really highly regarded prospect. He fell off. He's been hitting pretty well now. What's it fair to expect of him? Yeah, I think he's, he's rebuilt his stock. Uh, he was one of those guys that they were looking at to be in the future at Yankee Stadium, a center fielder of the future, and this is obviously pre-Jacoby Ellsbury, all that. Um, but, yeah, no, he's, he's back on the radar now, and he, he's being rewarded for it. So, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see Mason Williams starting in center field. They're going to move Brent Gardner back to left field, and at least against right-handed pitching, that's the way they're going to run it. Um, but I think over the next few weeks, you're going to see a lot of Mason Williams. And, you know, as with Slade Heathcott earlier in the year, I, I said that Yankee fans were going to like a lot of the way that, that Heathcott played. Obviously, he got hurt very quickly, but he did play well in a short spurt. I, I think Williams is that, that same kind of guy, especially defensively. Uh, you're accustomed to seeing Ellsbury and Gardner chase down balls and, and make good plays. And I think Mason Williams can, can step right in, and you're not going to miss too much of a beat there. All right. Well, Brian Hoke, thanks for taking some time to talk here on MLB.com Extras, and thanks, everybody, for listening. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go. Every night, on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.